Hi, I'm Kiki. And I'm Kemi. And you're listening to Your Advisors Will See You Now, a podcast that will help you to figure out all of your options for life after high school. All right. Hey, everyone. Thank you for tuning in again to So Your Advisors Will See You Now. In this episode, we are going to talk about how to apply. So this essentially goes for if you're going to apply to a university, a technical schools you have to apply as well. So any kind of those kind of institutions, even community college, there's an application process. So we're going to briefly discuss what that may look like, especially since different, um, some are not all the same. Some applications are different. So we want you to have a better understanding of what to prepare for and what to look for. One major thing to consider about the application is there's specifically four different ones that you'll encounter. So there is a rolling application. A rolling application means that an institution continues to take applications throughout the entire year. So there are certain schools that have this. Uh, For example, SNHU has these because they'll usually have courses run, like one specific course run for a couple of weeks. And then you can actually get in on the next phase of when students can begin. I also worked at a technical school, too, where we had this. And it was every three weeks, there would be a upcoming course starting. And literally every three weeks, we would have a graduation because it was a constant rolling admissions. Mm -hmm. Uh, The more popular one is the regular admissions. So usually the submissions will be, uh, the deadline will be like in the spring. So you have the, this is like the last date for you to apply to any colleges if you intend to attend the school later on that fall. There's also early action and early decision. So the early decision, this one is is major. So early decision is if you know you visited the school, you know you want to go to the school, and if you are accepted, if they say yes to you, then you need to go to the school. So early decision is binding. So literally, if they say yes, uh, we're gonna admit you. That means you are bind, you're you're bound to go to this school. So literally, you, you don't have any options after that. Um, <laughs> that's why I never messed around with that one because I like to have options. So that was not me. But I did, however, do early action. So early action is non-binding, but you can submit your application to schools in early fall, and then you'll know by like maybe December, I think that's when I heard back from most of my schools, from two of my schools that I applied to, of if I could mm-hmm. get in. So I, liter- so I literally had a year's, a year in advance of, of, that I knew what school options I could go to or where I got accepted. And I literally had time to compare my applications and, and wait to, det- to tell them, yes, I'm going to elect your school. So I, I did like that because I, I like to overprep sometimes. But um, that's what I ended up using. Kiki, do you remember what you used when you were applying to schools? I honestly think the majority of the schools, I applied to four schools total. I believe I did regular ad, or like regular admissions for all of them. Because mm-hmm. um, I'm pretty sure I got all my like, decisions May, like around May when people normally get them, if I remember correctly. But mm-hmm. it's been a little minute. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's been a while. I'll never forget when I was in high school, they had this huge board outside of the the guidance counselor's office. Mm -hmm. And whenever someone got accepted into a university, they would put their name and they would put the university. So literally it is week one of senior year 
and I look <laughs> up, I know, and I look up and someone is already accepted. And I was like, she's lying, but, 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 she, <laughs> but no, she got admitted into the school. She applied over the summer. She applied mm-hmm. wicked early. So she was even earlier to early action for the deadline. So, wow. but she got accepted into it, but off basically off of that it kind of inspired me to do early action because mm-hmm. I was I was thinking in my head well if I have all the cards in my hand I know when I'm gonna go to school I know which schools want me and then they said I, I can and I'm accepted that I I can have the final decision so right based off that that's that's why I did early action and then I did read somewhere too online that you're more likely to get into a school if you do early action mm-hmm. uh, versus doing the regular application but I guess that does make sense when you think about it because if you have all these people that are applying in advance they think one you're you're serious about it two well if we can say yes to these people we already have a certain number that we know we're going to get our tuition money for right and then the regular students that will apply later in the spring they might be even a little bit more selective so that's Mm -hmm. that's kind of what I, I, I would assume um might be in like what they factor into so, mm-hmm. but, so that's just an option out there. I, 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 I'm pretty much for early, dis- early action, but I'm not for early decision, to be honest. <laughs> right. Yeah. I was going to say too, just, just like going off of your reasoning as to why I will, honestly, the applicants, applicant pool, I think is much smaller for early action, but like, you're right though. I think, you know, cause they're like, oh, we're going to get our tuition sooner and all these things. I also think, or also know, a lot of scholarships you have to like do before, like during that early action time. Mm. I guess it's like priority deadlines for scholarships happen then too. So yeah. schools, you know, wanting to give out these like honor scholarships or these these priority scholarships, it happens in that time frame also. So if you wait till regular decision, you may miss out on those like top tier scholarships. If you do wait. But you're more likely to get those more honor scholarships or like um, like the institutional scholarships if you yeah. apply earlier. Yeah, no, I think that's really good. I know we're going to talk about that a little bit later in this, about the mm-hmm. institutional scholarships. But I think yeah. that's a really good point with because if you know your institution is, is going to provide some from the college you're going to and you're going to be first in line for that, then do it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think even earlier is better when it comes to if you're going to decide to go to a university because even with like I work with graduate students now I've seen some students last minute they were like they were accepted but last kind of like later on they applied and they got accepted in the in like the summer mm-hmm. and they're kind of a little bit behind the ball in terms of if there was an application for let's say housing on campus so they'll be like oh is there any housing on campus and I'll say to them, honestly, it's probably booked because it was open in spring. So you might That's a good have good point. Yeah. So it is pretty good to get your ducks in in a row as early as possible. So you have more options and you're not kind of scrambling at the last minute, you know, and also something else, too, is if you know what schools you are, you're able to get in earlier. Yeah, obviously, you know your options, but I know some students, too they'll do regular admissions in the spring and then only maybe one or two, one or two schools will accept them. But 
what's common for, for where I work. Let me know if, if it's common for you too, Kiki, because I'm not sure in a community college like perspective. But mm-hmm. um, what I'll, I'll notice is in the fall, some of these institutions that, that put them on a waiting list, they'll be like, oh, okay, there's a spot open for you. So if you want to come to our school now, you sure can come. So there has definitely been some students last minute that will change their minds and go to an entirely different different school. So I think if you were to do early action, at least a year before, uh, you probably avoid a lot of that too. So you're not Mm -hmm. doing like a last minute switch. Um, Does that happen a lot for the community college that you're working at right now? So at our community college, we only have rolling admissions, which means like kind of what you said earlier, they can apply at any time. There's no application deadlines at all. Okay. I would say it's maybe the reverse. Like we have a lot of students that may enroll at the college or apply to the college, but they may, we, you know, I may advise them or my colleagues will advise them. They get a class schedule or at least a plan and mm-hmm. they may email us like a month or so later. Like I got xyz school i'm not going to come here so i feel like it's more you know maybe they're sometimes waiting to hear back from a four-year school and this is like the community college is their backup so they just want to make sure they have their spot right reserved or seat reserved and then they'll later kind of back out which is totally fine i mean that's the purpose a lot of the time um of a community college i think we'll get into this a little bit later or in a future episode too but they're like, here's another, here's like a, a backup or a safety option. Yeah. And they're just waiting to hear back from somewhere they really would like to go. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, honestly, yeah, we just, we see students all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like too, when I worked at the technical school I used to work at, where we had rolling admissions, there would be some students that they're like, oh, it's rolling admissions. Well, I'm going to start the next time it's open, the next time classes mm-hmm. begin. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. But they didn't really know themselves too much to get most of the work done that was required beforehand. So then it would be orientation (laughs) (laughs) and they're like, okay, hold up. I'm going to postpone again. (laughs) So I was like, okay. I was like, well, this time, you know, that's totally fine. Right. It happens. But you know, here's the checklist so we can, you know, prep so you're ready to go. (laughs) I think there was like one person I had to that they postponed like three, three times. Then they postponed it for like a further, further deadline. Like, several weeks down the line but yeah I guess planning as early as you can who knows what could happen something could have happened I don't right. know yeah but um planning ahead as much as you can is good <laughs> um it's true yeah but going back into the application process uh, mm-hmm. for admissions um on most admissions applications you're going to kind of you're going to have to provide some form of personal information so essentially your name, birth date, um, all of that kind of information. And then you will have to provide your high school transcript. So I will say that a majority of schools request a high school transcript. Um, there are some that do not um, request high school transcripts. So you have to do your research on that. But a majority do because they kind of want to weed out their kind of prospective students to see if it's a good fit. So I would still say to the listeners out there, get good grades. So that way you look good, you stand out. Um, Mm -hmm. And then let's say you are applying for a school early, so early action. They'll request a transcript for you from your high school. And essentially what you'll do is you'll send them something called an unofficial transcript. So your, your, um, your, your, 
your I'm like your son, daughter, your your child, <laughs> they will go to <laughs> the person you birthed. They will go to their guidance counselor and then they'll request an unofficial transcript. And this will be sent to the college. Now it's called unofficial because they haven't obviously graduated from high school yet. And that's mm-hmm. totally fine. So a lot of colleges will still take that. And then if you are accepted into the school, what they'll say is, okay, um, you're accepted. However, please send your official transcript after you've you've graduated high school and submit it to us because we still need that on file, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can still start applying early for schools even if you haven't um, gotten your official transcript yet. Another part of another important part of the application is usually an essay. Most schools will have an essay, but again, some do not. Um, I remember I had to do an essay for when I was applying back in the day. And for the different schools that I applied for, there were different questions that I could answer. And we'll definitely talk about that on another podcast, like mm-hmm. another series of how to really ace that essay, how to really stand out for that essay. Um, I don't want to spend all that time focusing on that here, but usually there is some kind of essay portion and they'll have a specific question. Um, if you do a common application, then there'll usually be like three options. I think it was for a generic question that you had to answer. So, um, but there's that option. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about the common application, Kiki, or should we keep going? Um, you can keep going. Can I go back to one point real fast though? Yeah, go for it. The high school transcript. So like Kimmy mentioned, the majority of schools are going to ask for your high school transcript. I'm just going to make a, a slight point so if you are a duly enrolled student so like maybe you live in a state or a county where they have something called career and college promise or um just like you can be a duly enrolled high school and college student like getting college credit for getting college credit while you're in high school Mm -hmm. just give an example this happened to me the other day um and I wasn't really aware I had to ask a colleague so the student and his mom came in and he is duly enrolled And he didn't do so hot in his college classes. Mm. So they came in to ask, he wants to apply to like a really selective college. And they were like, do we have to turn in his high school, his college transcript showing what he's taken in high, sorry, what he was taken in college because he didn't do well. Mm. We have to show that. And I was like, um, I think you do. But I was like, let me go make sure with with somebody that knows better. So I went to ask one of our advisors that works with transfer students Mm. more closely than I do. And she was like, yes, they have to, even if they did it and like tried to be sneaky mm. about it, there's like a whole database. So like the next is where they like know everything that a student has basically done. So just know that mm. even if you did take, uh, like I said, if you were duly enrolled and you didn't do so great in those college classes, you still have to show that you took college classes and that's going to factor into your application your admissions process too mm-hmm. don't don't let it scare you i just want people to know that <laughs> right it's going to be a factor you know when you're applying to these schools so and you mean like an ap college too like you mean like ap courses is that what you're referring to mm-hmm. like at my community college we can have like we have high school students mm-hmm. that can take college classes too like they're still in high school mm-hmm. but just like the county that mm-hmm. we're in and this, this happens in a lot of states too i'm sure but mm-hmm. like your county um your county like school system will have a program where high school students can take classes at like can take college level classes too so mm-hmm. it's different than ap like AP, it's similar but they're probably they're free usually because like you you're a student of this county 
So you get to take classes for free at the community college. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah, they're getting they're they're equivalent to AP. There's not technically AP classes though. Gotcha. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I can talk, I can talk about Common App too if you want me to slide into that. Yeah, go right um, ahead. Talk about the Common App. So the Common Application, um, this is gonna be the very Spark Notes version of it. It's really <laughs> just it's really just like what it's what it's called the Common App. A lot of institutions, colleges, universities will use it, but you are really able to apply to a lot of colleges. So obviously any colleges that use the Common App, but you can apply to as many of them as you'd like um, through this one service. So all of your personal information is loaded into your account. Um, you'll have to do like one or so essays. Can you, can we talk about like, you know, writing essays and things like that? Um, but individual schools may have like their own supplemental essays. So you may have one large one that you Mm -hmm. can do for all the schools, but like certain schools may want you to do supplemental ones just to kind of use their own questioning questionnaire too i guess mm-hmm. um did you ever honestly, do one of those before i may have used it i don't believe i use it for elon but for the other school i applied to maybe like chapel hill i may have applied yeah there too. i may have used it there um that sounds about right yeah because yeah. i think I don't think Elon back in the day they had a common app because I I believe if you go onto the common app service you can actually search and see what colleges um mm-hmm. are able you to can. have it. Usually it's mm-hmm. big big name colleges. So my dad he was like, "Yeah, I want you to apply to Duke." And I was like, "Yeah, that's a reach school for me." I was like, "Yeah, I'm an honor student, but I <laughs> but I also know that if I were to go to Duke that's not what I want to do, but <laughs> I was like, Duke is fantastic, but I feel like mm. I would, I would drown academically. But anyway, um, even though I, I was pretty smart, but other than that, long story short, I did use the common application for that. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, I didn't get it. So look at you now, look at me now, look at me now. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I think Duke was the only school I didn't get into, but I think I only applied to a total of four colleges myself so mm-hmm. yeah yeah but um i'm trying to find out more i'm trying to see if there's anything else i wanted to add about the common app but yeah it's honestly what we just said you are really doing like the same thing you would do for applications in one platform so it's mm-hmm. much much easier i just looked it up it said 900 schools use the common app so like mm-hmm. hemi said you do have to like i would definitely go and search like don't bank on the schools you're applying to using Common App. A lot of them do, but you still have to do your own research and make sure the schools you're applying to, like some of them may use it, some of them may not. So um, just being mindful of like which ones are in there ahead of time. So you're not surprised and you have to do a separate application for several other schools. Mm-hmm. Yep. But it's a great, it's great. It's, it's easy if you can use it though. Yeah. It's like a one-stop shop. You load all your information mm-hmm. in and then it's kind of like, essentially kind of like sending a general email out to everybody. You're like CCing everybody out. I'm like, okay, UNC. Okay, Duke. Here's my application. That's true. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Send it, submit to all, but it's kind of like a one-stop shop. Mm-hmm. Um, another part of, of most applications for universities is usually some, usually schools will request that a student completes like a SAT or an ACT. Mm-hmm. So I know, I know I definitely did that back in the day. There are yep. some schools now that are thinking about phasing that out. There are some schools that have phased out. They the already SAT have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. 
Um, I think some trade schools don't require that, which is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Um, Some universities are kind of letting go of it. Um, I'm kind of like on the, I'm honestly on the line about it because you know what? I, I'm, I'm not for the test because not many people are good test takers for one. Mm -hmm. I, I'm, I can write an essay all day, but when it comes to taking tests, I'm not the greatest. Um, Like I have to put a lot of extra effort. And then also when I was applying schools, my dad paid for me to get like an SAT tutor. So, Mm -hmm. and I did do well on the SAT. Like, you know, like I was killing it, but I definitely reached, (laughs) (laughs) I definitely reached uh, like right in between um, the, the test scores that my college wanted. So yeah, as well as when you're looking at your colleges, like different colleges will request certain test scores that you kind of reach to be able to, to get into that school. So I did reach all of them. And I think I was a little bit below math because um, I always have have just never been great with math. But mm. um, but I'm like, and I, but I was still good. I was still a good student in high school. I was still like active in activities and all these other things. I've definitely had like some intern, some internship experience. So if a university said I couldn't go just because of that SAT test, I think I'd be a little frustrated, you know. Right. Um, so that's why I'm not really 100 percent for SATs. But however, I do think that there needs to be some kind of filter system to to kind of see if a student matches your college, like your the level of the institution. You know what I mean? So, but I just don't know what else, how to do it. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, my my take on it. I yeah. I mean, we we had to like. But, but, Back when you and I were applying to college, we had to do the SAT, SAT and ACT. I don't think many schools were like phasing it out yet. But yeah. I just like over time, and this is maybe like a social justice <laughs> issue or something like that, but I'm not totally for them. I'm really not for them at all. Um, one, because like you said, everyone's not a good test taker. But I think there is some like element of a little discrimination. And this is maybe getting deep. So I'll keep it like brief, but like not everyone is able to do test prep. Um, and not saying that you have to like go pay for a test prep service, but mm-hmm. that's where, and they're, they're like really beneficial. I know they are. Um, Cause it really helps you. Like if you can get a test prep service, like it can help you increase your score by a good amount of points. Oh, for sure. Like you said, so that you can reach whatever school, like whatever kind of level that school needs you to have. But with, with especially I'm just thinking about how a lot of schools are trying to be more um, accessible to a lot of students. The students they're trying to outreach to don't really have the means, you know, to like go to a test prep service. Yeah. Um, so they may like, I know, like, you know, they may have like a GR, like, sorry, not GRE, SAT or ACT book, but they're like, how do I really study for this? And of course, I mean, with things like YouTube these days, it's much easier, I think, to learn like mm. great study strategies, but you probably want like a student probably wants that like one-on-one help. So right. um, I do know why they have them. And I think you said it can be, it's like to weed people out. Um, but I don't always know if it's like the best right. weeding out, you know, like the best method to weed people out. But like you said, I don't really know like what other method. I'm also going to say, like I don't know. I've like randomly watched these YouTube videos recently of this girl trying to like, she was just making a video of, all her college acceptances or well it was really just her college um what are they called decisions and it was stressful like mm. i remember I, I like i said i applied to four schools i got into two of the four and i was like who that was a lot these kids mm-hmm. these days are applying to like 50 schools 
Um, oh, uh-uh, that's expensive. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's that's a one lie. Thing, that's one <laughs> thing we did not mention either, is you have to pay for an application fee. And then you also have to pay, I think, for each, for your unofficial transcript to get sent out from your high school. And then you also have to pay for, I believe, like your SAT to be sent to different schools, too. So mm-hmm. there's a price tag on all of that. I would not be applying to no 50 schools, but... <laughs> right. Well, we'll get into this in a minute, because there are some some ways to not have to pay for everything. Mm-hmm. But, um... Yeah, it was just, like, listening to the girl talk about, like, just, like, she would get into this, like, really amazing school, like, really selective school, but wouldn't get into this selective school. Like, mm. I don't even know how admissions counselors even do, how how they even do it these days. Because there's so know. many students applying, and they're all, I mean, not all, but for the most part, they're stellar students. So it's like, how do you really weed out or tell a student, sorry, everyone, my dog's barking in the background, but, um... <laughs> We'll just let him do what he's doing. But how do you really tell someone, like, tell if someone should go to your school or not, you know? Right, so, if they're a good match or not. Yeah, I think that's... Yeah, it's hard. It's a really good question <laughs> to ask. It really is. It's a really good question to ask. It's like, how do you weed it out? It's like, you can't have a student... You can't have... Some colleges do uh, student interviews, but not all of them do. And I totally 100% yes. get that because it's like... Because that's a lot, you know? Mm-hmm. Admissions... Uh, God bless admissions because I can't do admissions. <laughs> They're always mm-hmm. like reaching out to thousands of people at one time, still trying to remain personal, trying to get people to come in. And it's just a, it's a lot. So another part of the application is usually a letter of recommendation. So you're, you're going to want a good re- letter of recommendation. So essentially don't just ask your mom to write you a letter. Your mom, <laughs> your, your mom loves you, but they won't even is- take that. They won't even take that on your application. Probably. <laughs> like, oh, heck no. You need to have someone that's a teacher. If you mm-hmm. volunteer anywhere, uh, you should definitely have someone else write you uh, a recommendation letter. A and coach. A coach. Yeah. A coach, an instructor. If you're if you have like a supervisor, maybe at a job, uh, you should definitely have someone else write your recommendation. And honestly, the easiest way for a student to get a good recommendation is all you got to do is set this little limit for yourself in every single class. Ensure that you raise your hand twice in every single class that you have. <laughs> ask a question so you can naturally build a rapport to your professor. You stick out in your professor's head and they see that you're a student that is trying to retain all the knowledge that they have. Literally, pretty easy to stand out. Or even mm-hmm. just talk to your professor after class and ask some questions. They see that initiative, boom. They're like, yeah, my student comes to class. They're always in tuned, and they like to see the initiative. I think they'd be a great fit for your college. That's really it. Don't go to class and just sit there quiet the whole entire time. Because mm-hmm. even if you are an outstanding student, even if you're a student that gets all A's and you just float along, they'll be like, oh, yeah, the student gets great great grades but I have no idea who they are what they're about what their technique is anything mm-hmm. so good point so that's literally one small tip to get a good recommendation um and also and and like to kind of play off of this as well you'll also have to include a small resume which is really interesting mm-hmm. but you have to, <laughs> you have to include a small resume with your application even if Keyword you don't small. have yeah, very small. <laughs> <laughs> and even if you don't have to include a resume, I would say include a resume so it sparkles a little bit. You know what I mean? Um, to set you out a little bit more. On your resume, you'll include the student activities that you're a part of, if you do any volunteer work. So definitely have um, at least one volunteer 
I would say, opportunity mm-hmm. that you, you you did. So it looks like it looks like you're engaged in your community. Uh, if you have any personal projects or any passion projects, put that on your resume as well. So if you're a student that loves making videos, or if you did coding and created like an app or a game or something and create websites, include that on your resume so you can stand out as well. Um, but essentially, you just want it has to be small, so you don't have to go extravagant <laughs> with it. But definitely put all your your accolades on there. Like, oh, I'm a leader of this club, or I I created, I started this project, I started this foundation, I started this scholarship, I raised money for this fundraiser. It lets them see who you are as a person, um, mm-hmm. and it really makes you stand out. So, mm-hmm. um, and then for if you did work on a project, if you did start a fundraiser, if you did volunteer. Those people that you worked with, let them write you a recommendation. So boom, there right. you go. Mm-hmm. Yep. On that on that point too, Kemi's talking about extracurricular activities. Don't say that you were part of 10 club if you weren't really a part of 10 club. Mm-hmm. Don't, and I would honestly say, don't be a part of 10 clubs because yeah, don't. You, yeah colleges are going to look at that or admissions counselors are going to look at uh, this student was in 10 clubs and like, what can you say you really did? It's like, if you were like, the treasurer or the president, like, of course, say that if you were, you know, if you went to one meeting the whole entire year, don't put that on there. And that's, right. that's a huge thing that that's a huge thing that your counselors, your guidance counselors may harp on. If you go to admissions events, you know, for those colleges you're applying to, they're kind of, they're probably going to straight up tell you, we're not, you know, we're not really looking for students that just say they're in clubs just to say they're in clubs, like really find something that interests you if it's the chess club then put that that's really cool that's unique but no did you actually attend the chess club the chess club more than five times like were you active basically you want to be an active member Mm -hmm. of these organizations um they don't want to see that you just said you're just saying it for the sake of saying it yeah Um, if basically mm -hmm. if you wrote down that you were in the chess club and the president of the chess club sees that on your resume and they go who are you then don't write it down (laughs) Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like because you're lying don't right. do that <laughs> don't no, that's a good point I was gonna say too so Kemi talked about like if you did a fundraiser or if you if you were in a club you know I think I've heard before that colleges if you're putting on your resume or maybe this is just resumes in general but they like to see numbers so if you raise a certain amount of funds mm-hmm. put how much you raise if you spent xyz amount of amount of hours volunteering put that on there because it shows that like it shows your actual work in that you know in that activity not just saying I did it you know yeah um, spot on mm-hmm. and also I don't know if you mentioned this too if you had a job of course put that on it if you actually had a job put that on your resume too um whether yeah. that's like you babysat if you worked at your local grocery store or even with your parents or somebody you know closely if you work with them put that on there too um, cause that can just show if you were a leader or you can transfer certain skills that can show that even if you don't have like a whole, like you haven't worked 10 years, that's fine. If you worked, if you worked for six months and you, and you can really show you that you did, you know, you learned different things in those six months, put yeah. that on there. Um, and I would say too, if you're writing or when you're writing your resume, if the school requires it, make sure you include or Google, like how you can use action words on your resume it's a really important step like they want to yeah. see that you can kind of um make a comprehensive i'm trying i'm, I'm trying to use a word i can't think of it right now but really bring I your can, resume together with yeah the proper terminology i guess is what i'm yeah getting at. 
like even for example, you could say, okay, I was part of a um, what was that club where you kind of where you had to do code and then you could like make robots move? <laughs> what was that called, Kiki? Robotics club. I mean, Robotics. I there we go. Robotics. <laughs> Robotics club. So you can sit there. You don't want to put on your resume made a robot, made the code, made the, use mm-hmm. some different buzzwords, say constructed a formula that enabled, mm-hmm. make it like, ooh, this person's educated. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> Look up some <laughs> synonyms for made and you got it made in the shade. So just make it flow. Make Look at that resume. Make, have someone else look at your resume as well and say, ooh, Absolutely. you do all that? You know, like, oh, it looks really good. Right. And it, you're kind of bragging on yourself a little bit, but you have to, you know, um, if you did these things, Make it sound good. You, right. put, you put time and effort into it. And I think also going off of that, um, in addition to a resume, if you're going to a certain school, some some different schools that require a portfolio. So if you were to go to maybe a film school or like an art school like Berkeley or something, they may require you to they may require you to have a portfolio. So essentially a portfolio is similar to a resume, but it's it's bigger. So they may require if you're an actor, they may require you to maybe even go in and have an audition, or they may require you to submit a tape um, and kind of have a portfolio that specifically states, okay, what did you act in? What roles did you do? Or if you're a singer, they might request that you have all your tracks or some mm-hmm. videos and performances. So depending if you go to a specialized school, they might require for a portfolio. And again, like make yourself look um, sparkle, stand out, you know, submit your best work. Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So I guess, yeah, those are like, those are really the parts of the application. I'll just sum them up real fast. The next part. But um, parts of the application are going to be like your personal information, essays, high school transcripts, if you did dual enrollment, your college transcripts as well, test scores for a lot of schools, some won't require them, letters of recommendation, and just kind of say, we'll just say resume, and that will include your extracurricular activities and possibly like your portfolio, like Kimmy just mentioned. Um, I would say these are mainly those parts are mainly for for your institutions community colleges technical schools will require some elements of what we talked about but maybe not as in-depth as a four-year college or university mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah but do you want to go into fafsa get into the money briefly? girl talk about okay. the fafsa oh before i get into it well this is about money too but i think we mentioned a few moments ago how applications do cost money, um, sending your test scores and things do cost money. Mm-hmm. Look for your state, ask your guidance counselor, Google whatever state you live in, students for parents, wherever state you know you all live in, if you're assisting your student, just Google if there are like free application weeks or a free application day. Um, I know in the state that I live in, we do have a week where students can students from across our state can apply to certain I think I think it's only like our public institutions but they have like that week for the like a lot of the schools you can apply for free Mm. um so again those are like the public and state institutions but that just saves you a whole bunch of a whole bunch of money Mm -hmm. but you have to be ready to apply to them because they probably still require everything we just mentioned before but that's a great way to not have to pay $75 $75 for application for 10 applications if you want to apply to 10 schools. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's, you know, 
there there's those things that a lot of states will do. Some colleges may offer fee waivers if you meet eligibility requirements or meet certain criteria to get a fee waiver. You mm-hmm. really have to just ask the school or if you ask your admissions counselor, all they can tell you is yes or no. So I would definitely ask. Um, but on the same kind of note with money, I'm just going to briefly talk about the FAFSA and the CSS profile. So the FAFSA is the free application for federal student aid. This is something that any place you go to, technical schools require it to, or can use it too, right, Kemi? I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. So technical schools, um, essentially, that's a good way to tell if an institution is accredited. Um, And that's, oh, and just quick, 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 quick side blurb here. Um, If you're looking for a college, make sure it's accredited. Essentially, Mm -hmm. what accreditation means is your college, they say they're teaching this curriculum, and the accreditation proves that they're saying what they're they're teaching you. Um, so don't. So if you're going to a school that's about cooking, but somehow they're teaching about yoga, they're probably not accredited. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it, it basically it essentially says that yeah, your degree was worth it. They essentially are teaching you what um, what the curriculum states. So you mm-hmm. should definitely look and make sure that wherever you're applying, that the place is accredited. Um, yes. And then reverting back to uh, what you were saying about financial aid, usually financial aid is tied to accreditation. Most often, if you're allowed to get financial mm-hmm. aid, most often that university is accredited. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, some technical schools do um, offer financial aid as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, perfect. So yeah, um, so yeah, you can use the FAFSA or you can apply applying to four-year colleges and universities. If you're applying to technical schools, if you're applying to community colleges, you definitely want to complete the FAFSA. Again, it's a free application. So it'll really determine if you're eligible for mainly federal student aid, um, which can be things like Pell Grant. Um, there is Supplemental Educational Opportunity Grants. Um, if you're eligible, if you choose to use loans when you, you know, attending colleges, it will generate what you are eligible for based on your family's income and other criteria, based, mainly income. But um, definitely apply for the FAFSA. If you, if you can't use, if you, you know, you're not eligible for financial aid, that's okay. There's scholarships as well, but you won't know until you submit your FAFSA. Mm-hmm. Um, but you definitely, it's just FAFSA, F-A-F-S-A dot gov. Um, if you just Google the word, the acronym FAFSA, it'll come up as well. So I definitely recommend utilizing it. Um, I was going to say something else about the FAFSA too, but it can also make you eligible. Yeah. For, it can make you eligible for like state grants as well. Um, and like institutional funds. So some schools may require that you submit the FAFSA, even if you're not eligible for Mm -hmm. financial, like federal aid or state aid, it can make you eligible for those colleges, their scholarships. So you definitely want to complete the FAFSA um, I think you're able, I think you're able to put up to 10 schools at a time on your application for the FAFSA. So if you're applying to more than 10 schools, at some point you have, you have to like remove schools to put other ones on there so that those colleges get all of your information to mm-hmm. put you in their financial aid admission yeah. pool. And then also just, uh, adding to that too. So every college institution has a certain FAFSA code. 
So usually your mm -hmm. admissions officer can give that to you, or if there is an office of financial aid for whatever institution you're thinking about going to, you just call them up and say, hey, what's the FAFSA code number? They'll give you that number, and then you just um, you'll apply that on the FAFSA website, and it will have mm -hmm. all the institution's information. Yes. No, thank you for saying that. I'm not, well, I think a lot of, like, if you go to the college's website, too, they should have their FAFSA code on their website. Yeah, it should be on there too I, somewhere. Yeah, I feel like too, I can't remember, but I feel like if you are putting a school on there, you can like search for the school and the code should be on there. But yeah, mm -hmm. in, I would say either calling the school on the, you know, looking at their website, you can definitely get the code. That's really important. Thank you, Kemi, for saying that. And then I mentioned too the CSS profile, which that is the college scholarship service. So the CSS profile, so the FAFSA is administered by the federal government. The CSS profile is administered by the College Board, um, so it's really it's really a application that is used by colleges to award non-federal financial aid. So they're really award they're really having you apply for this to make you to have you in the pool for institutional aid or aid that the college can give out. Um, so that's likely going to be free money because you don't have to pay back grants or scholarships so mm -hmm. um, if your school requires the CSS profile it does cost it's not free um, but they may have waivers um, through the school you're applying to so mm -hmm. just be mindful mindful of that um, every school for the most part is going to have you fill out the FAFSA every school won't require the CSS profile mm -hmm. and then I just want to reiterate one more thing too just because some because, you know, some people um, who might be listening to this podcast might not have any idea. But make sure that you mm -hmm. understand the difference out there between loans. And there's a difference between loans and there's a difference between scholarships and grants. So mm -hmm. loans is essentially a loan. So you have to, if your money is loaned to you. And, yeah, you can borrow that money, but you're also going to have to have interest on that. So that means you have to pay an additional amount of money back when you're paying back the person who gave you the money. Now. Um, scholarships you can apply for and they're free and then the grants which is what Kiki was talking about if you apply on FAFSA be able to get a grant and a grant is free so you want to go for free 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 first before you're diving into loans 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 loans, mm -hmm. loans. because you're like oh yeah um, I can pay those back later I have life don't worry about it I'm gonna be big balling <laughs> I'm gonna get a job once I get out of college I'm gonna be a millionaire no 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 let's back it up just get as much free money as you can and um and also just compare your loans, see what institution is going to give you more grants or more scholarships and go from there. Don't don't say, don't worry, put it to my loan guy. I'll pay it back later. Don't do that. <laughs> do not do that. Do not. Um, but yeah, I think those are the main things. And of course, I, I guess we can, can kind of keep on like the money, the money train, but like skip down scholarships um like i said you definitely want to apply for the fafsa if your school requires it apply for the css profile but there are buku scholarships out there i know mm -hmm. when i was applying my mom was like you need to apply to these scholarships and i was like i'll do it later well later came and deadlines passed so it was like you can't apply to those anymore mm -hmm. thankfully i applied to one at elon literally hours before the application was due um i was oh, wow. alternate yeah i know this is for watson odyssey okay. i was an alternate so i think i had to wait a couple months to like be told i actually received it that was a huge blessing um because i helped pay for a good amount of my tuition 
at Elon. Um, but I, there are so many ones that I just didn't apply to because my main thing was like, just get into school and right. I'll do that part later, which you can. I mean, if you like the big scholarships, you usually have to apply for those in the fall. Um, there are scholarships you can apply to after, you know, between May and you go out to school in August. There's definitely still money out there. Um, so I would say just Google, like mm -hmm. local Google local scholarships, Google national scholarships. I'll mention a few big ones that um, I ref I've referred a lot of students to apply for. Um, but the College Board has a huge database through Big Future of scholarships. Um, with scholarships, though, just be mindful. There's so many out there. Just be mindful of scam scholarships. Like if they're asking for your like social security number, they shouldn't really ask for that. They should ask. Mm -hmm. It's like your name, your address, phone number, and essay maybe. If if it's anything too personal or seems like it's invasive, don't apply to it. It's probably a scam. Mm -hmm. um, and those do happen. But um, there's an app called Scholly. I saw it on Shark Tank. I think it's pretty popular. <laughs> um, that's another one that's out there. But just some of the um, ones that I'll mention, and these are these are for some of them are for like selective schools. So I know there's one called QuestBridge that I want to say it's 24 highly selective universities and colleges within the United States. Um, mm -hmm. You can apply, and it's if you if students get the scholarship, it pays for everything, like literally. They're going to school for free. Um, wow. It's more. It's more geared. Yeah, it's amazing. It's more. It's geared more towards students with like high need, um, who are maybe high achieving but lower middle income students. Mm -hmm. But it's a great opportunity for them to be able to go to highly selective colleges within you know mm -hmm. the United States. Um, I think the application is going to be coming. Maybe have already closed by the time this episode comes out. But just for future, for, you know, students and parents who are, you know, working applications for the years to come or next application cycle, keep QuestBridge in mind. Um, there's also the Jack Ken Cook Foundation Scholarship. That's a really huge one. That's for students. They have like an undergraduate scholarship and then they have one. So if you happen to be a transfer student listening to this, like you've done, you know, some community college and you're transferring to a four-year school, they have a scholarship for transfer students as well. And then the Coca-Cola Scholars Foundation is another huge one. So those are just a few of the national ones that mm -hmm. I have known about for the last few years. But again, there's a lot. Um, my last thing on scholarship, I'll let Kimmy talk. I know if you have something to say too. Um, if you are working with an advisor or a counselor in a community-based organization, ask them if they haven't already told you about it. Ask them about College Greenlight. Um, it's another great platform for scholarships, just tips in general, you can create like a profile on there and it kind of can help you help match you to schools just based on what you put in that profile. But again, it's for students. You have to be working with like a community organization or a community based organization, I should say, to utilize College Greenlight. But those are just some of the ways you can find scholarships because um, they are out there. There is so much money that's, I'm sure, left over every year because mm -hmm. students just don't apply to them. If I had to go back in time, I think I would have did this kind of outline for myself. I think I would have narrowed down my search or kind of my career field idea probably in sometime around junior junior year. And then I think junior college visits had a better idea of what programs I wanted to go to. 
Mm-hmm. And then I think the summer um, before senior year, so like you're getting out of junior year, going into senior senior of um, high mm-hmm. school, I think I would have actively started applying for colleges for the early action because you could still submit it early. Yeah. Um, so I could have all of my schools, all that work is done. And then while I'm waiting to see if I'm accepted, during that fall of senior year, I would have been actively um, applying for scholarships like a madman. So mm-hmm, that way, mm-hmm. and then by the time December would have came around, I would have had most of my early action decisions in. So I would have right. known uh, who wants me to go to school. And then based off of that, I can see how much money I'm getting. And then when I understand, and then I can also get um, information on, okay, what scholarships did I win? So that way I know this is how much money I have. And then I can also compare my list of schools to see, oh, okay, well, this school is going to be more expensive or this scholarship will cover this. So I can have a better idea of financially which one would be a better fit for me too. So I think mm-hmm. if I could go back in time, I would have did that and I could have more of my finances in mind and, and then understand, okay, how many loans do I need to take out? Is it going to be worth it for this? Can I still um, get some more kind of way to make college more financially accessible? So I think if mm-hmm. I would have went back in time, I would have did that kind of timeline uh, versus just, okay, senior year, Kemi, wake up. Like, <laughs> I, because I think it goes back to what you said earlier. Your our mind gets so focused on just getting accepted that that's the that's the goal. You don't see the rest of the goals after it or the after effects of it, like finances and um, scholarships and all those other things. Like you didn't necessarily see the whole big picture. You know what I right. mean? Mm-hmm. So I think that's what I would have did if I would went back in time. How about you? Yes, I definitely would have had like a list. I probably I probably would have started even maybe like summer of sophomore year of high school because mm-hmm. um, your whole like all your four year I think we mentioned this last week your whole four years of high school really count um, but of course your, your freshman you know they're looking at your junior senior year definitely when you're you know applying to colleges but they're looking at you holistically too I definitely think I probably would have started maybe sophomore year like summer like I said just really looking at schools out there more than four and kind mm-hmm. of understanding like what match and fit meant for me yeah. at the time, like having my list and, you know, seeing like does this school, do these schools have my major and like looking, like I said, the whole match and fit, like location and the cost. I wasn't really thinking about that either. Right. Um, so like you said, then for, again, as I like going back to what we said in the beginning, if I would have applied like early action, I would have been in a lot more scholarship pools. So if I would have done that process earlier, I wouldn't really have to have worried about money as much. Like it's still going to be there. Like you still have to think about it. Right. But I would have been probably more set with even, you know, smaller scholarships um, that they could, you know, offer me from the school if I would have applied early action, I think, yeah, early action. Mm-hmm. Um, and I probably would have done a lot more visits like to schools outside of North Carolina just to kind of see... To comp- yeah, I think it's just to compare schools in a different way, like getting out to different states and just comparing them, you know, like rural versus like suburban versus city, mm-hmm. um, but really like understanding all of that. Yeah. Um, something I did do that I appreciated um, was being able to go to schools like for overnight visits. Yeah. Um, I did that, and I'm, I'm now now I'm telling where I live, but it's fine. Um, I did that at <laughs> Wake Forest, 
and UNC Chapel Hill. I got to like go, I think Wake Forest was like, it may have just been one, it may have been two nights actually, but like just being able to go on the campus and like really get a feel for like what it's like to be a student at that college. And same thing with Chapel Hill. I can't remember what it's called, but it was like really like, it was just kind of like going to camp for a couple of days, but yeah. also like learning how to be a college student. So if you're, if you're, if you're going to colleges, you're applying to schools and they offer those types of programs, I'm do it. Look, just make sure, just look for them. Um, well, I did that Elon too, actually. Yep, me too. Multicultural um, experience yeah. weekend. Ooh. Exactly. Yeah. So I did it at three of the four schools I applied to. I just thought about that. I just remembered that. I should say. So if I was like, as you're looking at schools you want to go to, that really helps to let you know, like, do I want to be at this school? Because it helps you see like the environment, helps you see the types of students you're going to be around. For the most part, it's a really great opportunity. So I, that's one thing I really do appreciate that I was able to do when I applied, but I would have, yeah, I agree. I would have started the process like much earlier. Um, mm. not just waited till like <laughs> September to be like, Oh, I need to apply to schools now. And yeah. I'm not really ready for early action, early decision, things like that. So. Yeah. But I think also too, it's like us being, us being kids up to that point, our parents mm-hmm. are mostly telling us like what to do next, you know? So we're just, yeah. you know, still being a kid, still being young. And I think we just didn't think of those major things because, right. you know, for most of us, we're living in a home where most of our parents are, you know, making food, you know, paying mm-hmm. for the bills. So mm-hmm. we're like, yeah, somehow the next step will be provided, right? <laughs> you know, so <laughs> <laughs> and you, you didn't, you just, we just didn't know that there are so many other factors um, to go into planning and it's in it, how higher ed is definitely an investment. It's not something that's free. So, right. But that's why Kimmy and I are here because we want to share our experience. That's like the whole purpose is yeah. for us to be able to share our experiences with like choosing schools, mm-hmm. things we would have done maybe in hindsight, paying for school because um, mm-hmm. we're still doing that. We're still paying for school. So mm-hmm. really, you know, we're really using our experiences. We want you all to kind of know, like, again, the factors that go into going to college Mm-hmm. Um, and please share it with your friends, share it with your family so that everybody knows about it. You know, it's just something like Kimmy said, you're still, if you're a student listening to this, you may be, you may be 14 or 15. You may be 16, 17, 18. I don't know. Hopefully you're in that age group or it's your parents listening, but just for mm-hmm. the future. Um, so you all have just an idea of what goes into making these really big decisions at a young age. Like we're, we're here to help you navigate that. Totally. And Mm -hmm. kind of like side tangent today, Mm -hmm. like I went to church and they were talking about legacy. So this is kind of more towards like parents, like your children are your legacy. And Mm -hmm. essentially as a parent, you always want your child to to do the best that they can. You always want to set them up for the path to success. So that's also another reason why we have this podcast. You can see that there's a bunch of other different options as well as as going to college. So I guess this also segues into our next episode. Segway on segway on segway. Um, <laughs> our next episode, which I cannot wait to start getting into, is other options um, other than college mm-hmm. that can, you know, be a better fit for maybe your children, or it could also be better a better fit financially. But that some people just aren't aware of that, of that is out there. So there are other opportunities to consider. It's not just uh, okay, you leave high school, you go straight to college. There are other things out there that you can do, and other things that could be a better fit financially for someone's dreams and their career and all of that sort of thing. So absolutely. So with that, I guess I will say. Stay tuned for the next episode where we get into other options and we'll Mm -hmm. see you in the next one. We...
post these every Tuesday, right, Kiki? <laughs> every Tuesday, yes. <laughs> every Tuesday. So be on the lookout and we'll see y'all in the next one. See you. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in and listening to the latest episode of Your Advisors. We'll see you now. Please make sure to follow us on all of our social media pages and check out our website. Take a look at the show notes below. And please make sure to subscribe and share this podcast. Also, show us some love and please leave a five-star review. Catch you next time. See ya.